If you ever needed proof that Sky Sport don't give a fuck about any team outside the top six, it's letting Gary Neville turn up to do his job wearing a fucking hoodie. That was ridiculous. <laughs> what was that about? That like it's just sitting there in the, in the Sky Sports studio on live TV wearing a fucking hoodie. Have a bit of self respect, man. Have a bit yeah. of respect for Aston Villa. Yeah, and like we've talked about, you and I, Emery hasn't once come to work in a hoodie. Like we've talked about at the top of the show, and we can go, we can circle back if you want. But Nicolo Zaniolo shows up to work with his shirt tucked in. <laughs> what do you want to bet against us? Against us. I'm not even angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> disappointed that we couldn't just be on top of the league for Christmas, could we? <laughs> disappointed because we all knew Liverpool and Arsenal were going to draw that bloody match and open up the top of the league for us. And disappointed because of the inevitability of it all. That's right. We'd go on this record-breaking winning streak at home just after turfing Man City and Arsenal, of all people, out of town. And the bottom of the league, single digit side show up and they're the ones who scupper it. <laughs> they're the ones who are able to undo Unai Emery's master plan. And, you know, we didn't play well. No, the officials didn't perform at all. I'm still not even sure if they showed up for work on Friday night. <laughs> why, why would they show up for work on a weeknight? That's that's the days their roster to be in the Middle East. You know, moonlighting in their second job. But after all of it, after all of it, Liam, we still threw the last punch and there's something satisfying about that. We still showed a bit of defiance. We still remained unbeaten. We've got a new run that we can keep tabs on (laughs) unbeaten at home for how long now? And, you know, it's a point. We keep moving. Liverpool and Arsenal did draw. We haven't lost touch. I would have taken being ahead of Man City by Christmas if you had have offered me that in pre-season. I would have taken it. I'm just saying. So maybe I should just start this Christmas Eve podcast by saying, Merry Christmas, everybody. Except for you, Anthony Taylor. You can go do one. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, th- I think you've got the tone about right there. I mean, it's the end of the year. It's Christmas time. It's a great time for reflection and there are obviously many things to be thankful for. 18 games into the season, we're in a title challenge. We're Five points ahead of the treble winners from last year. Unai Emery is our manager. Eric Ten Hag is the Man United manager. We're trying, <laughs> we're trying for three more days. <laughs> we're trying to win every game we play and on and on. But today is not that day for a flexicon because today is the day we should be top of the table. But we're not because we lost to a team that in the first 25 minutes of a game of football had 12 successful passes. 11 plonkers playing, 10 defenders defending, and a partridge in a pear tree. They're fucking useless. And to be honest, Conan, I would love, I would love to have a go with Sheffield United, but I don't think I have the energy. I'll probably pick it up as we go along, but the (laughs) the reality is we were shite, and that's the really heartbreaking thing. The boys didn't turn up. The fact that Anthony Taylor has apparently never seen a game of football in his life didn't help. And the, the VAR was fucking flat out in the egg knock and photocopying his arse and trying to tell the boss that he's never respected them. <laughs> but the way we played, like you could tell from very early on, the passes played too late and the space was shut down. Passes played behind and the move broke down. We just weren't on it. We weren't on it at all. And it was very clear from very early on in that game that we we weren't going to be up to much. I mean, we had 80% possession. And I think in the first half we had we had one shot on target. Mm. That's just like that's not how you know, these teams are supposed to play. And the annoying thing is, why 
we've talked about this before in other games like this, and we haven't had games as extreme as this, so it is more important to talk about it. Why were we so afraid to lose the ball? What like what were Sheffield United going to do with it, other than give it straight back to us? So there was no need to be so hesitant. I I, I know we want to stick to a general pattern of play, but do it faster, be more brave, play the tighter pass, play it forward, doesn't cross it in a bit more. Look at Dean, I don't think crossed the ball once in that game. And I think you've got the tone right here because we would be in danger. It, this, this <laughs> it's not going to happen. But we could go on a a streak now of not winning games for five matches and then we'd all say well you know if you had told us after 23 games we'd be in the top five and then after <laughs> another five matches we could say well after 28 games and we're still in the top seven i mean that's still progressing last year remember we had gerard we don't want to do that we want to in uni emery's words continue to be very demanding and that's why i'm going to be very demanding of anthony taylor and john brooks and navarro because we need to talk about some of these decisions before we get into the goals where to even start? Let's start with a disallowed goal because this is just sickening. Like not just for Watkins, captainers in fantasy football. Like this is just sickening because of everything that happened. John McGinn hits this corner and it's basically cleared off the line. Luca Dean is a nice slide and tackle, shot blocked, and then Watkins tackles the ball back. You know, Emery called it afterwards. He said it's a second phase of play. It's so clearly a second phase of play. Uh, like uh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead here. It's a, it's a it's basically a one-two from a tackle with Jacob Ramsey. And then it's a lovely ball across. And of course, it's Leon Bailey lifting into the roof of the net. And you're thinking, bang, there we go. This is going to be 3-0 now. And if the bar was raised as high as it possibly could be raised in the first half for Aston Villa to get a penalty, it was lower to the floor for this decision now to look at any possible reason to disallow this goal. And we see Jacob Ramsey being pulled by a defender and then pulled by the keeper reacts by pulling the keeper's arm maybe it's stupid to do that but i mean is it really is it really impinging on the keeper who's also pulling him with that same arm and then what would have happened if the keeper had caught the ball anyway which he wouldn't have by the way <laughs> what, would have, what would have happened he would have caught the ball Sheffield united would have had the ball exactly what happened four seconds later Sheffield united had the ball and they were trying to work it out and the next phase of play villa took it back off them and continued to score and it's just so disheartening that they've they found a reason to disallow that when they were looking for reasons to not give penalties as well in the first half. Yeah, look, it's it's great to have the last twenty four hours to to have a bit of time to think, bring a bit of bring a bit more nuance to the podcast. I mean, we can't come on here every day compromised by our emotions. And <laughs> you, you'll you'll know this, Conor. I think I take analysis pretty seriously, decision making and problem solving are things that I'm really interested in, and it's it's important to spend the time to come to coherent solutions. And having had that opportunity to step back and look at it from all the angles, there isn't a better word than cunt to describe Anthony Taylor. <laughs> so like sometimes sometimes your God is right. Like <laughs> he's never be led by it though. Like that's probably one of the things that's most frustrating about the world right now, that that polarization and people starting with the answer and figuring out what the arguments are to get there. I, I haven't done that though. I, like I never do. Like I said, I take this stuff seriously. I've, <laughs> I've I've let the evidence lead me. Anthony Taylor is paid handsomely to implement the rules of a sport he's never seen. He, he's a cunt. And like I always, always be very careful about your biases as well. And I know I have a proclivity for describing people as a cunt, but that's that's not what's happened here. I thought about it. I thought about all the words I could describe Anthony Taylor with. You know, arsehole, pain in the hole. But cunt's the one that fits. It fits better. It just it just works better. It is a completely different phase of play. We didn't score that goal because Jacob Ramsey is standing on the goal line. 
we did like we, we scored the goal because Sheffield United are shite. Sheffield United's <laughs> defenders are shite. Guy was running out of the box and he passed it to Holly Watkins. Like, you know, that's why we scored a goal. Like it, it they lost the ball too quickly, is what Jamie Carragher said for it to be a different phase of play. That's because Sheffield United are shite. They have completed 12 passes in the first 25 minutes. What the fuck? That's what they did all game. They lost the ball really quickly. That's not Aston Villa's fault. And if any if any human being thinks, like speaking about decision making, if any human being thinks someone putting their hand on someone's elbow makes them move their body the way Fodderingham did. Yeah. They need to be put into an institution. They shouldn't be allowed mm. out of the house. I mean, fuck me. Jacob Ramsey having his hand on Fodderingham's elbow did not make Fodderingham jump into the air like an absolute plonker, embarrassing himself. Like, Fodderingham's going to be sitting there at Christmas dinner and his family aren't going to be able to look him in the eye. That was humiliating. <laughs> what in the name of fucking God was that? What was he doing? What was his body doing? It's, it's impossible to comprehend what actually was going on there. Like, speaking about decision-making, like how am I supposed to be able to describe that? Absolute mm. nonsense. Like, he flopped to the ground. Like, he, he lifted his legs backwards and fell to the ground. Like, fell on his face because Jacob Ramsey had his hand on his elbow. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good decision. Not by any metric. Not just for Villa fans. For football's sake, it wasn't a good decision. And it wasn't. It didn't end there. It, it, it didn't even start there. The penalty shout in the first half, two penalties. Well, don't worry, we'll come back to another one. Like the, the, VAR, by the way, intervened five times to check for penalty shouts, and Anthony Taylor didn't bother in his backside to look to see if there were penalty shouts in the first place. But not that VAR were that interested in actually telling them to go over and have a look. And they should have for this one, because I, in fairness, I said, look, Dean didn't cross the ball. The one time he did cross the ball, led to a goal chance, should have been a penalty. Uh, it was Ramsey to look at Dean, and Dean crosses it in. And Vinny Sousa is all over Watkins. He, sh- he, he comes charging in, shoves him to the ground, and as he falls to the ground, he rips the shirt off his back and tries to pull him back in another direction. It was a classic push and pull. It was a full upper body workout. It was unbelievable <laughs> what he got away with there. And, you know, I was wondering why why the VAR then when they were looking at it, why, why would they not give that? And then it was John Brooks in the VAR room. I mean, if you're going to speak somebody's language, make it a push and pull upper body workout. John Brooks would love that. He was there doing his bicep curls, <laughs> looking at that, thinking, yeah, that looks pretty bang on to me. <laughs> yeah, I was watching this thinking, like he, I remember seeing a little clip of what the, the guards had to do in Ireland, the uh, train, and one of the things was they had those push and pull things, and I was thinking, perfect, because this lad needs to stop being a footballer, he needs to find a new career, so maybe that's what maybe that's what he was doing, he was trying to figure out how he was going to get out of this fucking footballing world that he somehow stumbled into, that was absolutely atrocious, defending. I do think the cross is too high, and Watkins probably allows himself to be pushed too easily, but he has rammed into the back of him, and but and it's so clear the defenders obviously panic, and he's trying to make Watkins stand back up again. That's why he's pulling by his shirt. Like, oh yeah, nothing's happened here. Look, it's grand. Vinny Zosa didn't get a yellow card in that match, by the way. That was absolutely strange. Every time I looked, it was on a last warning from Anthony Taylor for grabbing people round the neck as they run away from him. It was uh, strange. But we'll come back to him because he actually might be a shout to go up on the Vineman meter later on. The pet, like the handball. I mean, like there was other ones like the the, the Kanza. Kanza looked to be pulled down by two people. I probably would have let that go. It was a John McGinn cross. Two boys on. <laughs> let it go as well but the key here is Kanza Kanza kind of slips into his man's arms but the man is only looking at Kanza 
and is running after him. He's trying to grab him. He's playing fucking kiss chase when the rest of us are playing football. He has absolutely no idea where the ball is. And I think that that should be a massive sign to the referee that maybe he has foiled them here because he's not trying to play football. If you're trying to play football, you're looking for the fucking ball as well. He's just running after Kanza. Let's yeah. say Kanza's afraid of him. And then the handball. I mean, the, the best way to sum this up is I actually don't know which was worse, this handball or Martin Odegaard's handball against Liverpool. They, like, they were both atrocious, both deliberately pulling the ball away from the danger, pulling it away from the man, like deliberately bringing your arm back in to put, punch the ball away, which is what happened. The ball was landing to Jacob Ramsey's feet and it was punched away into a Sheffield United player who then gave it away too quickly again. But, you know, and the Odegaard one for Liverpool as well is just exactly the same. He's fallen over, the ball was getting away, he reached for it and brought his arm back and pulled it away from Salah. And like, none of them given after a VAR check as well. I don't even know what they're looking at anymore. But the fact that this handball is in the same conversation as that shows you how, how bad it was. And like, this is back-to-back days. Back-to-back days. And how many times do I say this when we're talking about these decisions? The top level of the most popular sport on the planet <laughs> and these are the people who are not only refereeing it in real time they're looking at the replay of it as well in an office with no crowd noise with nothing affecting them just look at the replay look at the handball and give the decision unaffected yeah he, he, said, he said he punches the ball apparently he punches it with his fucking chest according to Anthony Taylor and the Taylor's tapping his fucking chest afterwards saying it like I know it's John Brooks in the VR, maybe maybe because he's got such a good upper body, he's thinking like, oh no, I could swing my chest like that. This isn't a fucking, this isn't a parade. Like, you know what, we're not standing there doing fucking nipple shakes. Like, what are you talking about? He's clearly swung his arm at it. What, like, what, what, what does Anthony Taylor actually think has happened there? He, he must have seen the movement of his body towards the ball. He can't possibly think that that was his chest. He has to ask the VAR. Are you sure about that? I'm blaming Anthony Taylor for this because Anthony Taylor's standing right beside it. The VAR, that's it. It's fucking absolutely insane. Absolutely insane that they haven't even asked the referee to have a look at it. I mean, he swung his arm at a football that's in the box. Ridiculous. <laughs> like it's, it, it, it's so clear as well. And he went past it so quickly. And you text me afterwards saying couldn't see an angle of it. I was like, that's not what he said, is it? And you replied saying, well, he couldn't have said it wasn't handball. <laughs> there were two decisions. Like I'm so wound up now that I forgot that Villa actually scored a goal and Sheffield United scored a goal as well. We'll come to that in a second. But there were, there were two decisions that I thought Villa probably benefited from not that it mattered because in the context of if, if this game was refereed right Villa win this game very easily but Longley was beaten in the air very easily and uh, someone was in behind Moreno and Anthony Taylor decided to give the first free of the game uh, <laughs> I don't know what happens Longley was just beaten in the air sometimes I think when when <laughs> teams get in too easily on goal referees think something must have went wrong there that was just too easy but what happened was a forward went up to head the ball. The defender didn't go up with him. And he got flicked on him behind the fullback. And, and Sheffield United were in. And John Duran, I don't think he meant to elbow someone in the face. But, uh, you know, when I saw the side-by-side of the blood pouring from the face and Duran very obviously wound up, I thought, like, yeah, like, I don't think I would have complained too much if he had to get sent off. I would have been here arguing about the, like, I would have sounded like Jamie Carragher or Gary Neville then, going on about with the point of contact with the elbow and things like that. <laughs> there. 
And yeah, like <laughs> the John Duran elbow, I think it's not an elbow. He's clearly swinging his arm to to get the guy off him. He's too too compromised emotionally though as well. That's not how we want to be playing. I mean, Vino Emery was complaining about this a couple of days ago. What's he going to be thinking about John Duran today, yesterday? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, relax, pal. Like, we're playing Sheffield United, just win the game. The really frustrating thing about the Duran elbow is that because there's such commotion, it actually leads to the goal. It leads to Archer's goal because we haven't bothered setting. People are over telling Duran to calm down. We're just not, we're not, zoned, we're not clued in. We're not zoned in the way we should be for that. That was actually the most frustrating thing about it. Not even a question that it was a possible red card. Yeah. And then Cameron Archer got himself a goal. Of course it was Cameron Archer as well. Talk about inevitability. Balling behind Matt Cash. Talk about inevitability. <laughs> John McGlynn slides off the pitch. <laughs> Talk about saw that one coming as well. And he gives Hammer just gives him time to stand and, and wait for a player to get free. But he didn't have to wait because Cameron Archer was just standing free because three of our defenders, for some reason, were standing on the goal line and nobody decided, let's pick up the one attacking player that Sheffield United have had the whole game. And they all just let the ball be pulled back and Archer puts it in in the 87th minute. And like I thought, this is it. This is a smashing grab. It couldn't be more classic. Get absolutely battered. Get a few decisions. Go your way. And score with three minutes left of normal time. Yeah, if Matty Cash is so consumed by the by the winger that he um, forgets about the lad who's running into the box, and he just lets him run in behind him. And I know, I know John McGinn's following him, and there is a guy in the wing that Matt Cash is worried about. But you have to play the game that's in front of you sometimes. Like you know, you have to leave the man that you're marking. If the ball, the ball is the danger sometimes, and the ball is in the fucking box. Worry about that. Hammer does really well, but what is John McGinn doing? Like, you don't, don't you don't make a player like Gustavo Hammer's mind up for him. Like as soon yeah. as he sees John McGinn coming in like that, he's stopping the ball because John McGinn can't stop himself. It's ridiculous. And then Matic Cash again gets himself involved, or doesn't get himself involved. What, like, he must know <laughs> what what John McGinn is going to do there as well. So if you if a player is committing, you have to then go. You have to because you have to be the person who's standing up then. To, to make to, to understand that Hammer can just come out the other side, Matt Cash stands there and watches him cross the ball. He's he's getting ready to try and block the cross, but like Matty, he's a professional footballer. He's gonna be able to pick out his man unless you go to him, unless you put him under pressure. You're just standing there saying to him, "Go on, can you beat me?" Of course he can beat you. You're ten yards away. All he has to do is pass the ball to his fucking teammate. Ridiculous, yeah. terrible defending all around. But then big Nicolo Zaniolo come on and don't tell me, Liam, even before he scored the goal, you didn't notice the tucked in shirt. Don't tell me you didn't notice a different cut to this man. And you know I already like the cut of his jib, but he came in ready for work. The shirt tucked in, this boy meant business today. And I felt it in my bones. Now I thought he was going to score the winner. I didn't think he was going to hit score an equalizer for us. But I felt <laughs> that he just, he just looked apart. He came ready for work. He came ready for action. Serious business, not messing around. Shirt tucked in, formal wear only. And it's a lovely ball from from Douglas Louise. It's like this all comes from Konza retrieving after that match. Do you remember the match cash ball out to Moreno? I don't know why Moreno was on the right side. It must have been a corner. And they floated it, just floated it up to Moreno's head. Pathetic, got cut out. 
and Conza retrieves it, didn't have to foul the man, just got his body in the way and gets the ball back in play and it comes across to Douglas Louise. And it's Wes Hulahan and Robbie Brady all over against Italy. And Nico Luzaniolo, the Italian, would have been watching Ireland at Euro 2016 thinking, I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to be like Robbie Brady someday. And by God, he caught up, up a headly keeper, got his head on it, got his first goal. It was actually a brilliant goal. And in the 97th minute, it was just brilliant. Into the whole thing, too. Nice celebration. Nice look with the shirt tucked in. Yeah, I mean, you've obviously got uh, some sort of memories of the early 1990s. Whenever I think of the early 1990s, I can't help but think of Football Italia. Whenever I think about Football Italia, I think of football. Obviously, whenever you think about it, you think about lads in linen shirts and on mopeds or whatever. So you're so consumed by any Italian now. You see them with any sort of fashion statement. That's all you can think about. And apparently, it's all you can talk about as well for the last minute and a half. But Esri Kanza does really well to tell whoever that was to fuck off. And, <laughs> and I, I hope his family tell him to fuck off this Christmas as well, because that was pathetic. That lad lying on the ground, holding his face. And the only bit of commentary that Jamie Carragher got right was as the play was developing, was saying, get up, man, your team's trying to hold on to a win here. What are yeah. you doing lying on the ground? Now, fair play. For Anthony Taylor for playing on, not that Anthony Taylor was going to make a decision today, but fair play to Anthony Taylor for like you know not stopping it because of a head injury. That was brilliant to see. Clearly, a diving, cheating little cunt who fell to the ground holding his face because Ezra Conza took the ball off him. Absolutely pathetic. And it's a really good ball from Doggy. Looks up, sees his man, plays it into his run. Like football's a really simple game sometimes. And Nicolo does really well to control that header coming in at that pace, the ball at that height. To get that on target, to keep it down, it's it's a really, really good he- header from Nicolo, and I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. Okay, that was a long top of the show, but I feel like we needed to get it out. Let's take a quick breather, and we'll come back with WhatsApp winches. A few Aston Villa players struggling to keep the ball in play. Let's have a look at who's been fined this week. <laughs> Moussa Diaby, come on down, run straight out of play. It's a lovely... Bailey touches it. It's a great ball from Longley, and Bailey just takes it down like the way we've seen him do the last few weeks. And it's a diagonal run in, waits for Diaby to go around the outside, plays it to Diaby. Diaby runs out of play. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not the only one. Jacob Ramsey kicked one straight out for a throw in. Very simple pass to Luca Dean was on. Very, very simple pass. And Ollie Watkins cross landed a cross landed on top of the net over the crossbar and a Douglas the wee corner now I know we want them to shoot I know we want them to score but he can't be letting the corner go out of play at the near post I don't care if he's being tasked with one of the most difficult set pieces in the sport just just don't let it go out of play at that side of the net at the near post I think there's something wrong with our left backs so I think our left backs are too attacking it happens far too often you've said it far too many times in this show you know played behind Luca Dina played behind played behind <laughs> Alex Moreno look it's absolutely ridiculous the amount of times any player brilliant footballers centre midfielders are just passing the ball two yards behind our fullback oh yeah something must be going on if Jacob Ramsey's getting it wrong <laughs> I know your game. <laughs> the first WhatsApp winch. Why is Anthony Taylor grabbing Diaby by the neck? <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about any number of things about Anthony Taylor, but he just grabbed Musa Diaby, who had nothing to do with it. So this all started with Dougie Louise and Norwood going at it. Vinny Zusa gets involved. There's no... There's like, 
I don't think there's any yellows handed out at this stage. And then Sousa and Bailey, like they're sort of going at it now. And then McGinn comes in, and and then suddenly Musa Diaby's just standing there, and he grabs, he just grabs Musa Diaby, Anthony Taylor, who's trying to calm everybody down, but uh, Diaby didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, like Anthony Taylor didn't know what he was doing either. And of course, Anthony Taylor was over where there was no action happening at all because he didn't look like he understood what was happening during that game of football. So why would he understand who was actually the antagonizers during this little scuffle? Why did why not just go for the Musa Diaby? <laughs> Musa Diaby seems a bit broken, doesn't he? I mean, maybe we can give him the United game to talk about it, but it's just... I don't know what it is. It... There was a stage there, this could be a Glenn Whelan nomination, but everybody seemed to be out on the right-hand side. And like Diaby and, and Ramsey was coming inside, Diaby and Bailey and Cash, but maybe it was just because I kept seeing Diaby and Cash fucking <laughs> up our passages of play <laughs> that I'm remembering it more often. But look, Dean didn't seem to be involved at all. He was over on the left. I assume they would have had more space. But everybody was just piling over on the right, and they didn't know where to go, really. It was like Diaby was infested by the, the Matt Cash thing of not knowing where to go when you're out in that position <laughs> every time you watch an Aston Villa game you really figure out uh, how little football people watch because the last two games Aston Villa have played so the last three they've, all, they've been on telly the City Arsenal game and, and today's game they've all talked about how electric Musa Diaby is because they watched Villa in the first game of the season I assume and then they haven't yeah. seen them since like, Diaby hasn't been good for 10 games maybe now he's, he's he's not on it he did a couple of things yesterday that were lovely but that was it like you know just little sprinklings of magic into a game and then nothing else in between and not only nothing else really bad really bad decision making from him at times the desire for that lad to get on to his left foot i haven't seen it since leon bailey first joined the club it's, <laughs> it's absolutely insane like he 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 doesn't want to go on the outside, which is so frustrating, particularly when you've got someone with that pace. He can go on the outside so easily. And even mm. when he goes on the outside, he'll have the opportunity to cross and he'll still come back in until he's left. He nearly fucked one up. He ended up uh, doing really well, returned back inside. Um, but like he, he almost lost the ball. He should have lost the ball. He just got lucky with the deflection and then he crossed up his left foot completely unnecessarily. And it's really frustrating for Aston Villa the way we play, piling bodies into the box as well. You can't be slowing down and turning around whenever we've got Douglas Louise, Jacob Ramsey, Ollie Watkins all running into the goal line. Now they're all just standing on the goal line. You can't possibly pick them out. Yeah, he's just not on it at all. No, and he needs to remember. I mean, the reason he needs to remember Arian how good Robin... he is at football, Connor. That's what he needs. That's actually what he needs. <laughs> is it? I mean, Arian Robin got so much joy on his left foot because everybody's afraid that he could just beat you on the outside as well. It's the same with Leon Bailey now. Yeah. Leon Bailey can go actually on the outside, and that's why he's getting so much joy on his left and his body. Leon Bailey's body position just looks so much better, so much more comfortable, so much more positive because you can just tell you can tell Diaby wants to come inside and he's, he's not he doesn't even want to see the other side he wants to ignore it there like a big pile of work sitting on his desk maybe if he doesn't look at it it'll go away it won't, <laughs> it won't. the only other whatsapp ones you have and a serious one relegate Sheffield United immediately for that restart <laughs> that, that that is one of the saddest most depressing things I've ever seen on a football pitch this is like Villa have scored and Sheffield United just booted the ball out of They kicked the ball 40 yards down the pitch out for a throw-in. That, what on earth was that? Genuinely the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. Now, I'm not talking about on a football pitch. I mean, 
in my entire life. That was fucking <laughs> pathetic. What in the name of God were they thinking? But like I said at the top of the show, this team completed 12 passes in the first 25 minutes. <laughs> they probably thought we're going to lose the ball immediately anyway, so we might as well lose it at Aston Villa's box instead of in our own, like we did a couple of minutes ago whenever we conceded that perfectly good goal. So why not just fucking hoof it down the pitch? That was unbelievable. <laughs> to, not even, to, not, to, fucking insane. to not even think that we'll keep the ball for three or four passes, you know, waste 10 seconds here and then just boot it up the pitch. What were they doing? Like, like they saw their opportunity. Look at Dean's not standing at left back. Now he can just fucking hoof this and where he should be. And then they'll have to trundle over and get the throw. And what the fuck were they playing at? It was yeah. absolutely insane. Like, you know, if the Premier League had a tour card or something, it's just take the tour card, Austin. Like, that's not good enough. We can't be having that up at this standard. Bring so like, let's get Kieran McKenna's Ipswich up. You've done enough. We're impressed with you. Let's come up. Chefs <laughs> United aren't making the most of their opportunity. That this is what they're doing when they get their when they get their chance at the top of the top of the tree. Ah, no, no way. That that's that was bang out of order. And the wind up to kick it out of play as well. My God, the effort to do it. Yeah. Let's and take a breather and we'll come back. We'll rattle through the award categories and we'll all get on with our Christmases then, eh? <laughs> all these... Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. We've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle <laughs> Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Not a lot of Rosenthal Award nominations, even though we had a lot of possession, but not a lot of Rosenthal nominations. But of course, the first one... Was Diaby going onto his right foot because Leon Bailey put, like, pushed him, you know, pushed him <laughs> onto his right foot? Leon Bailey running diagonally again. It was a Matt Cash interception, actually, a very good, very good interception. He read it well, which allowed Leon Bailey to stay up the pitch, which he loves. <laughs> Matt Cash put it in front of him, and Bailey charges and he just puts it in front of Diaby. Who knows? He has to go on his right this time, and he does, and he draws a decent save. A bit more power probably would have went in. Yeah, Cash does do really well to intercept it and more importantly to show the urgency to release Bailey and also the nice to understand that I have to play this quickly. I mean, being patient and slowing down is brilliant, but you also have to know when there are opportunities and you have to exploit them as well. And that was definitely one of those opportunities and Cash did really well. Bailey does brilliantly. It's a lovely ball. And Diaby does well to get it away so quickly. Like he doesn't even look like he sets himself. But it's not even finish. It's it's right at fodder him. He does his best to make it look like he's made a worldly save there. But it's the shot's right at him. He drops down probably unnecessarily. Probably could have just stopped it with his right foot. Yeah. 
The second nomination, well, we know what the ball behind the back signal means now from John McGinn. It means it's going round the back. And <laughs> it's a Tony Pulis routine is what it is. This is the second attempt at it. And all of them are actually quite good. I mean, if John McGinn could just plant the ball in that spot every time, it'd be absolutely fine. And this one, this one goes around to Longley, who heads it back. And Watkins has it on his left foot, and he should do better. To be honest, he hits it over. Like I think he should have done far better. Yeah, add Austin McPhee to the list of people who listen to the podcast, which would be fucking depressing for Austin McPhee, I'm sure. But we were talking about this this routine only a couple of weeks ago, and it's so effective. It's so hard to defend against. And we got one earlier on in the game as well, where Kanza got onto a header. Oh, he just gets. Away. <laughs> yeah. I've just got them ordered the wrong way here. But yeah, like, the Kanza one is so annoying. I don't even think the commentary team appreciate what a big chance that is. It's because he gets nowhere near scoring. Yeah. <laughs> that ball is perfect from again. Kanza gets his head on it about six yards out, and it goes about 50 yards over the bar. Yeah, he's, he's in the six-yard box even. like It's not even six yards out, but and that makes it a really easy chance, I think. But I think he just gets ahead of the ball, and he's, he's diving back to try and get onto the ball then, which isn't going to really work, and it just fucking Courtney Houses off his head. But again, it was a great ball, really hard to defend. The Watkins one, I mean, similarly, great routine, great cross. Longley does absolutely brilliantly. And all oh, Watkins has to fucking roof that. I mean, that's. I mean, I don't mean off the roof of the fucking north stand. He has to put it into the roof of the net. But that's a terrible finish from Ollie Watkins. I know it's on his left foot. I know the VR and aren't interested in it, and he's possibly being fouled. But he has to fucking spank that into the net. Yeah. Duran had some nice hold up play, lays it off to Watkins, and it's a tame shot from Watkins. Rolls it towards the keeper, and Duran was very frustrated because I think he was thinking, "Jesus, that I was in that position." If I was in that position that you're in, Ollie, I would have absolutely buried it. But honestly, I think from the Diaby chance to this, this was the first time we moved the ball quickly. I mean, honestly, it was the first time we injected a bit of pace. John does really, really well, and it's fucking shite from Hawkins. I mean, he's falling to the ground as he's hitting the shot from the edge of the box. That's not good enough. Like, There's not Mm. that much urgency there. We're playing Sheffield United. They're all just standing there. He's got 10 players standing at the edge of the box. That's what they're yeah. doing. Like you don't need to panic, and they're not going to come out to you. Take your time, have a shot, get her on target. Fotheringham's the goalkeeper for fuck's sake. Conza <laughs> uh, tried his best to beat Martinez from a really poor enough cross. It wasn't going to anybody, and Conza just decided to get his knee in there and try to beat Martinez at the near post or the far <laughs> post. And then Moreno had ah like his goal the last day. It's a nice Matt Cash cross. In fairness, I didn't think Matt Cash was good, but. He's obviously helped create a couple of chances here, and this one was on his left foot. And <laughs> there was a stage where I was going to tweet something like, "We should, we should let my cash cross on his left foot a bit more." That's working. <laughs> <laughs> and this one went the whole way around to Moreno. He was there at the back post. The keeper had read it this time. He was right across. So, yeah, Moreno probably should have went across him or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a really really good cross from Matt Cash. Nothing better than seeing the replay and seeing the player look up and pick it out his man, and he he does yeah. it really well. It's on his left foot. Initially, I thought it was a huge sitter. He's probably trying to or having to generate a lot more power than he would like to there because the cross is looping to get it over there and it's on his left foot, so it's not exactly zipped into him. But I don't really know if he needs to generate that much power. I think he could probably just nudge it straight back in the direction it's coming from, just place it into the corner. He's trying to fucking hoof it with his head under the near post. I don't think that was the best decision. I think if he just gets it on target and worries about fathering him, having to move his body a bit more, he'll probably score. Yeah, 
I, I have the winner as Ollie Watkins. I, I wanted to give it to Konza because it's such a big chance and I'm fed up with people just sort of, like, ball gets crossed in, Konza clears it out immediately, everybody runs back and people just seem to forget about it. And it's, it's so close. He's so close. And like you say, he's in the six-yard box and people are so forgiven of those chances he misses. But the Watkins was just, it's just bounced up for him yeah. in the box, set up by Longley. It's on your left foot, but you can just bury that any direction now and he just hits it over. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's on his bad foot, but like if if you're not two footed, the one thing you want is a fucking bouncing ball that you can just smash. Like you know, that's exactly yeah. that's everybody can do that with their left foot. They don't care how shite you are in football, and it's terrible. It's it's, it's not good. No, it's not good enough from a centre forward, and certainly not good enough from a centre forward of Ollie Watkins' quality. Do you like them? We didn't take a ninety minute penalty award. This is being nominated in hindsight, but that's the beauty of this 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 award category i sit back i watch it all happen and then i tell you and i am what i should have done <laughs> in, <laughs> in hindsight but <sighs> ironically enough you wouldn't actually need hindsight to have told steve bruce not to let glenn whelan take an idea <laughs> but would you have played a more defensive midfielder not not to ward off Sheffield united but because we didn't need we didn't need john mcginn there we, we we just needed a body to, to hold that shape for us and we needed somebody to release Douglas Louise a bit more as well. Like we we really could have done with John McGinn receiving those balls in the number ten position and being out on the right. And I feel like we really missed him up the pitch. And this is all obviously Kamara's fault for getting sent off needlessly in the last match, at the end of the last match, when the game was bloody won. Anyway. Um if we had just had Dundonker sitting there or a Rugbinen or just 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 sit there, you play that role and the rest of us now will will go up the pitch. You and Kanza mind the house back here. I just feel like having Douglas Louise and McGinn there. Just I don't know. We just took away something from from the team. No, we should have just we should have just not played with a defensive midfielder. We should have just <laughs> honestly. I'm like I'm not, I'm not joking. Like this is this is. Like, how many times have I sat in the Aviva Stadium and said, "Why are Ireland playing three centre halves here? Like this is this is stupid. We're playing Gibraltar. We don't need to have three people sitting back there. Like one of these yeah. has to go into midfield now. This game, let Kanza defend it himself. Let Kanza defend from the halfway line. It's only Cameron Archer." We've seen Kanza. We know Kanza is as quick as Cameron Archer. We know he's stronger than him. We know he's better at football than him. Why yeah. are we worried about Sheffield United by making Douglas Louise sit back and John McGinn rotate with each other? It's fucking absolutely needless. All of Sheffield United's players are at the age of their own box. Let's just push up. Let's just step up. It's grand. Longley should have been pushed up further as well. Like it's, yeah. We, like we didn't... We didn't, we didn't approach the game properly. We should have known what Sheffield United were going to be doing. The team was really attacking in terms of the personnel on the pitch. But to not release McGinn and Douglas Louise, I thought was a little bit foolish. Yeah. Let's do the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award before we go to the Vyman meter. Two two nominations for just terrible touches. Matt Cash is in the first 20 seconds. His touch just passes straight to Sheffield United. And like this was after a lovely little Bailey overhead caressed him. Just, just... Knocks it over someone's head and Matt Cash just knocked it in front of him. Yeah, Sheffield United player let let them in the first time that they were going to be in for eighty seven minutes. And Longley also had a terrible touch and it led to to Kanza v Archer. But like most of the time, it was Kanza just knocking Archer out of the way, and that was fine. But Kanza had a save his skin there. But just two awful touches. And then we've got got way more nominations here. But I don't know if you want to talk about the Matt Cash touch initially. Which one? They had two in the first 10 minutes. I thought it was just really, really heavy. And I just thought the best thing Conan has ever said was called the agricultural cash. I mean, it was so perfect. <laughs> it was I, I, like, ridiculous stuff. Like the, 
if you're you're right it was a caress from Leon Bailey as well there's absolutely no excuse for it there's no excuse for taking a touch that heavy at home against a team who aren't putting you under any pressure ridiculous yeah yeah the other one was Cash just letting himself just knocking the ball too far ahead of himself letting Brooks slide tackle yeah. and take it off him Cash stays down Brooks runs on and then John McGinn had to come back and save him and that that's part of it then when John McGinn plays in that role we, we talked about this years ago under Dean Smith under Stephen Gerrard He's too dedicated to the role, then he's too dedicated to the cause, thinking like, they need my help back here. He's too honest with his working. Whereas if he's not playing in if he's got two people behind him, he'll be receiving balls further up the pitch and he'll be saving his energy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're completely right there, but thank fuck he was playing there, because you know, Matt Dash was playing right there. <laughs> Uh, Musa Diaby back defending the corner <laughs> and, and like thank god he was because of the pace of him but the misplaced pass him with his right foot I think that, that explains it uh, just, <laughs> you know it's it's such a bad pie he doesn't get anything on it but he's so fast like Musa Diaby so fast that he can be shite at defending and still put you off because even though he makes a bad tackle even though he gets his position wrong he just runs back around again. He's always there. It's, it's actually an effective form of defending. <laughs> People just keep running in another direction then because they know he's not going to go away. Yeah, just like Roberto Carlos, really, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and then the only other nomination, I think it's the winner. It's Leon Bailey taking four attempts to drag someone down for a yellow card. <laughs> four, sorry, four attempts. And what, 50 meters of the pitch as well? <laughs> you, you're going to get the yellow card anyway, just foil them in their own half. Yeah, foil them in their own half so they don't get fucking the chance to waddle up the pitch and then float one yeah. into the box. I mean, take him down early, early on. You might as well just clip him like you're getting the yellow card here and you know that as well. That's why you're willing to do it so often. Why would he could have been sent off for that? He foiled them so many times. <laughs> the Andy Vyman meter. I've been saving this one but I think it's time to talk about Watkins' haircut because you know I've been a fan of the boys all going around to Musa Diaby's and getting a fresh haircut. And obviously that's what's distracting him because his form has gone down ever since, <laughs> you know, Leon Bailey, John McGinn, these boys are all looking fresh as and they're playing that way too. But Ollie Watkins sort of got something similar, but I don't think it works without the shaved head. He doesn't have a shaved head. He's got the same hairline now that he's done on top of his head. He looks different. Somebody would say it's not completely different. It is completely different, and I don't know. He didn't score today, so maybe we're onto something. I've I've been out drinking for the last three or four days. I'm tired. Like it is the season. It's not the fucking season for this shit. I mean, we just drew with Chef Gennard, and you want me to come on here and talk about whether or not Ollie Watkins' hair is different or similar? I don't even know what you were saying there. What are you saying? His hair, some people will say it, it isn't different, but some people will say it is, and then he doesn't score today. Like, what's the... <laughs> At the top of the show, we're we not talking about decision making and coherence and your thought pattern. What are you trying to say? Well, honestly, what are you actually don't bother? Don't answer that. I don't want to know what you're trying to say. I Let's want to know overall. Let's move something. on to the Vitamin meter going up. <laughs> Jacob Brown. <laughs> do, do you know what? I don't even have the heart to do this one anymore. I wrote this down thinking, oh, this would be a good one to talk about after we spank Sheffield United 4 0. And I had Diego Carlos and Moreno high five and all the boys on the way out in the tunnel. Uh-huh. You know, two boys who. <laughs> Moreno less so, but two boys who could be, you know, thinking I should be playing here today. But it showed the uh, unity in the squad and and the morale, and didn't doesn't matter anymore. We fucking drew with Sheffield United. 
forget it. I don't even want you to come back the way you don't want me to come back on there. <laughs> the, the, I think Longley has to go up. I mean, I, it was really annoying not having Pau Torres. And that's not Longley's fault. Mm. And you can't just step into those shoes and, and be him. But I thought he, he did well. Like he, he was trying his best to be Pau Torres. He played a couple of lovely passes. I mentioned the one out to Bailey. Lovely dink at the start of the second half to Luca Dean as well, put him in behind. He was on the ball a lot. He was he was pushing it. Thought he defended it well, apart from the one that should have led to a goal. <laughs> and he got a free kick for it. He set up that chance for Walker. I actually thought he was he was really good. And I was really happy for him because when I saw he was starting, I was like, hmm, hmm. I would have just put Konza in and maybe shifted Diego Carlos over or whatever. Forget oh. about this left foot thing. And I was thinking, it's Sheffield United. Who cares? Yeah, no, Longley, if Paul Torres isn't available, I think Longley has to play. I mean, he, he's the most similar in style to, to Paul yeah. Torres. That's why he was signed. He was signed as a backup to Paul Torres. Unfortunately, that's what he is. He's very definitely a pale imitation of Paul Torres, but he's trying to do the same same things. That means we can try to play the same way. He, 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 I think you're right. I think he, he did fine, and it's not his fault that he's not as good as Paul Torres. But a lot of the play that we had in the first half, those passes that were breaking down, those passes played behind, a lot of them were coming from Longley. A couple of floats over the top that just weren't on. Um, mm. like, yeah, like he, he's just he's just not at that level. But yeah, no, I don't really have any particular problems with Clement Longley, apart from the fact that he can't run. Which is a big problem. <laughs> That's definitely a problem. <laughs> uh, Vinny Zusa is going up for intervening to save John Duran from mm. punching someone in the face like well, i don't know why he, he was so sound to do that but he really did protect john duran from himself absolutely yeah ridiculous decision making from there to be honest <laughs> what was he playing i just let let this lad go loose like what are you playing <laughs> crazy yeah i don't no idea what he was thinking um going down I've, I've got my cash going down it's just it's just annoying me he's not good enough like, he's not playing good enough at the minute and I know we can sometimes, but like just at the minute now, the the, the levels are so high, and he's just he's just off it. When he when he isn't good, he's agricultural. This is it, and then he he tries too hard. It takes ten seconds sometimes to turn around and pass the ball back to Konza, and people are groaning whilst he's doing it. Like they know they can tell with his body shape, like he's trying to turn himself around and pass the ball back to the centre back. Come on, let's move the ball. Or when he does run, then sometimes it's the wrong decision. Like he's just he's trying too hard in that front. Things just aren't coming easy to cash at the minute, and it's probably because he's trying too hard. I would, I always wish Cash would appreciate the type of player he is. Like the amount of times that lad's chopping inside, like Ronaldo when he was playing for Man United. You know, <laughs> you're not him. Like you know, what are you, yeah. what are you doing, Matty? And he comes inside, and he he looks lost. Of course, he looks yeah. lost. He's a right back. He should be bombing around on the outside. That's it. That's all he can do. Go around the outside and swing the ball in. You're you're not a player to come into the middle of the pitch, look up, try and pick out your pass. That's just not who you are, Matty. <laughs> Yeah, he comes charging into the middle, and all he sees is Watkins standing there. He's back to goal, looking at him, and he can't pass it to Watkins because it's on his left foot. And he just sees Douglas Louise and McGinn standing there. Like, what? What are you doing? Where are you going? Just give it to me and go away. Yeah, but he, that's, the problem is he doesn't go away. He gives it to him, and then he's yeah. just standing in the middle of the pitch. And then Gabby <laughs> or Leon Bailey are on their own on the right wing. It's it's insane. Yeah. Anybody want to mention going up for Christmas or anything like that? Going up, Gary Neville's hoodie. What the fuck was that about? Like, if you ever needed proof that Sky Sport don't give a fuck about any team outside the top six, it's letting Gary Neville turn up to do his job wearing a fucking hoodie. It was ridiculous. <laughs> what was that about? That like, it's just sitting there in the, in the Sky Sports studio. 
on live TV wearing a fucking hoodie. Have a bit of self-respect, man. Have a bit mm. of respect for Aston Villa. Yeah, and like we've talked about, you know, Emery hasn't once come to work in a hoodie. Like we've talked about at the top of the show, and we can go, we can circle back if you want. But Nicolo Zaniolo shows up to work with his shirt tucked in. Gary <laughs> Neville <laughs> sitting there. Ollie Watkins getting a fresh haircut. I mean, which which one leads <laughs> you want to talk about? Gary Neville sitting there in a hoodie. Okay, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks for bearing with us as well. While Liam was out on the drink for three or four days, quote unquote. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you listened to it now that we're we're releasing it on Christmas Eve and recording it on Christmas Eve. And I hope more than anything you have a a great Christmas. It's been a great year. It's been class having you with us. It's always great hearing from you. So yeah, don't ever be afraid to get in touch by any means on Instagram, on Twitter, on on email um, at the Villa Podcast at gmail have a very, very Merry Christmas. Wear whatever you want. Cut your hair to whatever <laughs> way you want. <laughs> and let's be ready to go. Let's all enjoy Eric Ten Hag's last game as a Manchester United manager. I can feel it the same way I felt that Nico Zaniolo was going to do something. This is the start of it, by the way, for Big Nico as well. So keep an eye on that one. But I can feel I can feel something in there in Old Trafford. Hopefully we bounce back. But first of all, just enjoy yourselves. Happy, happy holidays. All the best. 